Brian Kilmeade is a New York Times bestselling author. By the way, the correct answer there is E. Every uh, every odd number has the letter E in it. Uh, he is a New York Times bestselling author, the co-host of Fox and Friends, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and the host of a, a show on the weekends on Fox News, which is just tearing it up ratings-wise. Brian, congratulations on the ratings. I saw the recent ratings. You're doing better than everybody. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're building up, uh, rebuilding primetime with Dan Bongino and Lawrence Jones. So it's a, it's a fun show to do, you know, to do something uh, totally different. And now the big news is I took off my tie on the weekends, Frank. So if you want to make that a question uh, of, of your next trivia day, does Brian Kilmeade have a tie or not have a tie I love on it. a Saturday show? <laughs> I love it. You've I'm just gone, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You've gotten the full Andrew Yang. I, I love it. That's great. I um. Uh, I'm sure you are just as relieved as uh, motorists around the country are that uh, President Biden has decided to once again tap into the strategic petroleum reserve. I guess the good times are here again, Brian. Yeah, I mean, it's 15 million more barrels. Uh, It's uh, down to 1951 levels, but it's no big deal, he says. It's no big deal. We have plenty of oil there. And he's telling gas station owners again, you know, those those rich moguls. When we pull up to mobile and we go in there, we see how rich and lucrative uh, uh, and what kind of cushy lifestyle they're living because they are gouging prices. And those oil companies are gouging prices. So he says, I'm telling you guys, you got to stop. There's been no proof. He launched an investigation into it. They're not. What he's done is restrict oil and gas permits. We know that he stopped pipelines the day he walked in. You know, he has he has approved less uh, offshore drilling uh, drilling permits than any president since Eisenhower. Since Eisenhower. So he is saying there's no war on fossil fuels. We want to make the transition. There is an absolute war. That's what I thought. Not only did he deliver, and I'm sure most of our listeners right now, your listeners, had, were not uh, watching at 2 in the afternoon, but I was. He could not get a sentence out. He had no, totally unfamiliar with the copy, but it was all shot to the oil and gas industry for having prices this high. Now, it's a, a lot of people are saying this could be one of the key issues, inflation in general, but gas prices specifically, as we go into the midterm elections. Is this all political as far as you know? Is this President Biden wanting to avoid an electoral bloodbath by uh, kind of cushioning the gas prices? No, quite. I mean, and, he, and he, that's every question. And I couldn't see the reporters who it was, but it wasn't our reporters just asking. They were saying, this, "What do you say to people? Who say this is all politics. I mean, it's a few weeks from the a few weeks from the midterms. You're 20 days in, into the midterms, and you're releasing more oil and gas onto the global market to get prices down. You know, so the the amount he is, I think, 150 million barrels. He's already sent out there that was supposed to be for an emergency, catastrophe, a war, and he's putting it out there. Why are you doing that? Of course, it's election related, and he was insulted by the question. But other people are picking up on it." And the thing is, what I, I'm heartened by, the American people, Democrats, too, are realizing that Joe Biden's not doing well. I mean, why else is it that he is not asked in any battleground state to come do anything except behind closed doors and fundraise? But Barack Obama is. He's going to be everywhere in the last two weeks. And Joe Biden will be almost nowhere except for today. He's going to appear with Fetterman. But it's it's totally politics. And what I think what I love, too, and I'm sure this is not a main story, but keep an eye on it. 
Now these AGs are suing these banks for refusing to invest in fossil fuel companies, even though it will bring more money to the people who are 401ks or individual investors. They're divesting from them. And they're that. And so when you go to, you know, with the industry that you don't just say, hey, wait a second, let me get give me a shovel. I think there's oil in here. <laughs> you have to invest heavily in, in any type of oil drilling. And if you can't get financing from a bank, you really can't do it. And now what they're doing is it all offense on, on from Blackstone and others are told just we're not drilling. We're not doing nothing to do with fossil fuels. We're not going to support any fracking. So now these AGs, 19 of them, are suing and then banning these banks from their states if they're found to be complicit. Yeah, and, you know, the the shame of that divestiture campaign in the fossil fuel companies, whether we're talking about pension funds because New Jersey's talking about moving in this direction, New York is talking about moving in that direction, or whether it's banks that are that are engaging in that, is that it really – it deprives the shareholders, which might be the pension fund, might be the banks, of a say in how those companies are run. So if they are doing the wrong thing, um, you know, it, then – uh, the best way to get those companies to change their behavior and explore, you know, clean energy yeah. technology is to have a broader investment, uh, not to not to totally divest. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. It was all the above. I, lo- I like the Trump strategy and the Bush strategy of all the above. And I think that Obama ran on that, uh, if I remember correctly. That means, hey, you know what? Uh, If you and I want to go invest in a company that we believe is going to bring the best battery possible to the market and beat up oil and gas, go ahead. No more power to you. But who's building the charging stations and where are we getting them? And right now, the president yesterday announced this major move, $3.5 billion of our our money. I love the way he's acting like he's coming out of uh, his pocket. But he's taking billions out of uh, taxpayer dollars to push forward a more ESG exploration and manufacturing. But right now it all exists in China. Yeah, no, it's certainly going to be very interesting. And then no doubt one of the key issues uh, co- going into the midterm elections Go less than 21 days until the midterm elections and uh, real clear politics is predicting that the Republicans are not only going to win the House of Representatives, which a lot of people have been predicting for a while, they're saying that the Republicans are likely, at least at this point, to gain control of the U.S. Senate. The way they have it handicapped now, they have the Republicans winning 52 seats. Uh, They have the Republicans winning in Nevada, which would be a major coup, uh, and really the dissolution of the Harry Reid machine there in North Carolina, Florida, Wisconsin. And, and even in Ohio with uh, with J.D. Vance over Tim Ryan. Do you does that jive pretty well with what you're seeing on the ground? I know you've been doing shows from places like Georgia yeah. and elsewhere. Are, do you think that the Republicans actually could win the Senate this year? Well, yeah. yeah. In fact, I just got a note this morning. Herschel will be joining me Saturday night at eight. Oh. Uh, he'll probably be my, our lead guest. Adam Laxalt might come on, too. He's the one who's been leading the current senator, Senator Masto. Uh, in Nevada. So I think that's going to go. Herschel, uh, I think he's probably, he and uh, Warnock probably aren't going to get 50%. That's how close it is, which means there'll be another runoff. Get this. <laughs> I think it'll be January 5th. So we might not know the balance of power. But I'll tell you, keep an eye on Blake Masters because this guy's got talent and he's got financing. Peter Thiel just gave him uh, zillions of dollars. And they, Mitch McConnell backed out. He said because Peter Thiel's doing it or he didn't believe in the candidate that Trump backed. So, uh, so 
I, I think that that's a possibility. Let's break it down further. Fetterman's got a two-point lead today. The president will be there. He's released his doctor's notes. And we've always said, Frank, if you have to release your doctor's note to explain a poor performance, it's usually not going to go good, especially in our business. If I had to say, listen, I had a very bad show, but let me just read my doctor's note excusing <laughs> me. So Fetterman is going to be reading his doctor's notes. He just And by the way, he ends up being a big-time DNC donor as well as a Fetterman donor. So you do want a doctor that's willing to put money into your campaign, of course, to reduce credibility. They were all over Trump for using a military doctor to say he was fine, but we're going to use his doctor that funds his campaign to say he's fine. But we're going to have to see a debate on the 25th. So then you look at Pennsylvania and got to think positive about that. Uh, I think that Tiffany Smiley has got a real shot uh, over in Washington. So I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting uh, race. They are confident that Val Demings has got a shot at Rubio and the Democrats. Mm. I haven't seen even a Rubio's being outspent two to one. I've not seen a poll that had her within six. So uh, and Rubio is one of the most competent senators, Republican or Democrat, you'll ever run across. All the guy does is work. Do you think these polling models are still reliable? About to find out each time they lose more and more uh, credibility. But Trafalgar, which everyone says, well, that right wing poll, that ends up that ends up uh, being one of the most accurate. The one that's got really on the docket is 538. The New York Times, Nate Silver, who a couple of who I guess a couple of cycles ago did well. Mm-hmm. He's saying 60 percent chance be 65 percent chance Democrats hold the Senate. That was at 72 percent. I'm saying to myself, is this guy just going to hop on the day before the election day and go even because <laughs> that is so over the top. Uh, it's so agenda driven because, you know, for you and I, we look at the polls and go, OK, that was wrong. They have to go get investors and go do it again when no one's going to be subscribing to them or paying attention to them if they blow this. So let's see what closes. In the end, they, they could be agenda driven. And then in the end, they got to be right as possible. Uh, you know, this is not the only country where there are some interesting polls um, and producing some very interesting, uncertain results. I caught a little bit of your interview this week with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the former Israeli prime minister who's got a new book out and he's hoping to come back and once again be the prime minister of Israel. The Israelis are having their election in a couple of weeks. I think this is the fifth set of uh, countrywide elections they've had within the last uh, two and a half years. Do you think Netanyahu's going to get enough seats to be able to come back as prime minister again? Will he secure a majority? Man, he's so confident, and I was talking to him. I did him on television on Fox and Friends yesterday. Talked to him in the break a little bit. Uh, you know, and I, you know, we, we they break up. Uh, they in Britain can't hold it, can't hold the government together. But he feels as though letting the other. I, my my opinion, letting this other guy run his government for this time and seeing how ineffective uh, they are. Also, I think it's so embarrassing. And I asked him this too that they're not supporting Ukraine. They're staying out of it, not even supporting missile defense, maybe a few MREs. I think that's criminal. There's a, they're a democracy. Get, they get it together. What would they ever permit their land to be invaded and not to support them? I think just think it's bad. Uh, but Netanyahu feel, feels though he's going to do it, be able to hold it, and I think he feels that people miss him. So I think he's going to get. I think he's going to get back there. The book is excellent. What he does in the book, if anyone, anyone who covers Israel, you need to know the history. I remember when I first started at Fox, I got VHS tapes out of the library that just said the birth of Israel. 
And what happened in 1970? And what happened in 1930? And what, you know, what did Truman do? What did FDR not do? Why did the Britons t- b- b- turn around on the Balfour Declaration? And then it turns out his dad did a lot of lobbying in our country in the 1930s in order to get Republicans and Democrats to pressure each other to recognize Israel and to think that his brother was a war hero, he was a war hero, and then would emerge as a, a prime minister. So it's a really good book to give you some competence on the issue and why the, he believes the pa- uh, Palestinian cause is all synthetic and how it was just roused up uh, from basically an Arab creation. But it gives you some some t- context, and I believe he's going to be joining me on One Nation, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's uh, an action-packed show this weekend. Tuesday, we saw, after nine hours of uh, jury deliberations, a federal jury acquitted Russian policy researcher Igor Danchenko on four felony false statement charges as part of the Durham probe of misinformation that triggered the FBI probe of uh, former President Trump. This is the Second high-profile acquittal that we've seen as it relates to all this. What does this mean for the future of the Durham investigation, if anything? Well, I got to get Bill Barr on and because he's the one who hired Durham. The only thing I would say is this. Convictions, I know what it's about. You go to law school, you got to get conviction uh, or exoneration, and that decides wins or losses. I actually don't look at it that way. For the longest time, we read stuff, we get perspective, we have sources, and we say, this is where the story is. This is the Russia hoax, or this is the Russia investigation. This is the reason that uh, the proof that Donald Trump colluded with uh, Vladimir Putin, and here's the proof he didn't. So we go back and forth, and so many people listening to us right now are working their second job. They don't have time to delve into the Mueller report. But if you just look at some of the revelations that have emerged from this trial— about Sussman pretending to be just a concerned citizen and dropping off false documents to the FBI. Uh, And yet he was manufacturing those documents. And then you find out that the Steele dossier, not only was it not true, but used to follow people and get warrants to screw up uh, lives of Carter Page and Papadopoulos and Manafort and, and Trump, he contends. But they knew it was not true to the point where we found out in that trial that the FBI said, hey, guys, I'm trying to use the dossier to prove to a FISA court and others and to media members that uh, that it's true and that Trump is corrupt. But I can't prove it. Uh, Christopher Seal, you wrote it. Can you prove it? He goes, no. They go, Chris, if we give you a million dollars, would you prove it? I'll pay a million dollars. Prove it. Take as much time as you need. He says, I can't. And then he said, OK, why? Well, the guy that gave it to me, uh, he can't. Who's the guy that gave it to you? Dushenko? Where did he get it? He got it from Russian news reports and of somebody who knew somebody in Russia that told him this took place. So he couldn't even tell us the source. And guess what? Dushenko was outraged that Christopher Steele took his what he said was hearsay and put it into the Steele mm. dossier. Dushenko said, wait a second. I didn't tell you this was authenticated. Steele says, yeah, it's authenticated. Who hired Christopher Steele? Hillary Clinton. Excuse me. So, okay, Dushenko wasn't convicted of lying to the FBI four times because the FBI came and, and fought it uh, with mind-boggling. They fought Durham. They, oh, don't worry. He lied to us. We don't worry about it. So FBI says, you could lie to me. I can't lie to him. You can't lie to the FBI. But Dushenko could. And the FBI went to bat for Dushenko. So all I can tell you is what I just told you is under oath. So it's all true. And when, when, when Trump says it was a hoax— he is actually not exaggerating. 
It was a total hoax. And when I tell you the country was hurt for two and a half years and we wasted billions, millions of dollars doing it and so many lives from Flynn to Manafort were screwed up for no reason, destroyed for no reason, that is not a rumor. That's not my opinion. We know that's fact. And he's going to write his complete report if they let him. Biden might stop him from finishing off and writing what his conclusions are, which, of course, they would have to uh, they would have to take the White House back to get that going again. Finally, um, baseball playoffs. We're down to the final four teams. You got the Padres and Phillies tied at one in the National League Championship Series. Yankees lost their first game uh, against the Astros yesterday. Kind of a disappointing finish to that game. Where do you see the World Series going at this point, Brian? I mean, uh, a betting person, uh, a betting person would would uh, believe the Astros are going to get through, and I think the Padres are getting through. But what I want to happen is the Yankees live up to their potential and beat the Astros. And what they showed me early with that unbelievable catch by Aaron Judge mm. and the home run by Harrison Bader, which, by the way, give give Brian Cashman credit. I mean, they said, why'd you get a hurt center fielder? Uh, you know, he was unable to contribute. And he gave up Jordan Montgomery. Now you know. This guy's an engine. This guy is going to be great for a long time and is from the area, so he wants to be here. But... What I and, and listen, I don't want to insult all these baseball guys listening, but if 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 you have a pitcher in such rhythm that he struck out seven straight guys, can you at least step out of the box, screw mm. up his rhythm, go in there, change your batting <laughs> glove, tell your bats crack, just slow it down a little? I mean, why are we allowing the the Astros? Uh, why are we allowing these guys to get into a rhythm and just go down? So the Yankees win by a final score of four to two. They were up one nothing. Uh, give up four straight runs and score a little bit late. So uh, and uh, the Padres took game one, uh, eight to five against the Phillies. Who Joe Girardi still can't believe that that's the same team he left. So that series tied at one apiece. Let's see the Yankees get one game here, and then this really is really the first time I remember them taking on anybody feeling like the underdog. But uh, after sweeping the Mariners in three straight games uh, and having all this rest and the Yankees having to put, go five with the Guardians, they're definitely the underdog. Let's see if they can relax and get one. They get one, all the pressure is back on Houston. Brian Kilmeade, it is always a treat to chat with you. I'll see you soon, my friend. And don't forget December 2nd. I'm there, Frank, man. December I'm there. 2nd, Newark, New Jersey. It's on all my right. calendar. How do people go get, get tickets? Em. Tell people. Oh, yeah. Just go to briankilmeade.com. Uh, click on the tickets. Uh, and then we'll see you on Friday night in Newark, New Jersey. It's going to be a lot of Fox surprises. Frank's going to be there. We're going to get right. him on stage, right. be able to take your questions and talk about 1776 history, not 1619. That's right. We're going to do a live version of the $1,000 Minute in person at, uh, on December 2nd. Brian Kilmeade, check him out at Fox and & Friends and on the radio. Uh, th- we're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. You can be heard for 15 seconds by dialing 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.